Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm happy you're here. Welcome again to my car. You know, the last time I recorded in my car, I think we talked about being perfectly imperfect and just getting stuff done. And sometimes you got to get stuff done in a high school parking lot while you're waiting on your kid at their activity. But I don't think, I don't remember, but I don't think... I recorded my face. You know, sometimes if you listen on YouTube, you just get a slide. You don't get the actual visual. Um, and if you listen on just a podcast platform, of course, you never get the visual. But today I was like, you know what? We are talking this summer about getting shit done and how people can multitask in order to um, achieve their dream of becoming a special education advocate, if that is, in fact, your professional dream or one of your professional dreams. And so I thought, heck, why not see if I can prop my phone up in my car and record? And we tried all kinds of different things with a coffee cup and a shoe and my purse none of those were working. And so here you are on, on my dashboard. Um, and I have no makeup and a ponytail. And hello, we're getting shit done, as we say around here. So never mind the steering wheel in between us. That's just the way that this was working out best because the coffee cup and the shoe and all of the other things didn't work. And if you're just listening and you've stuck around through all of that, then um you get a gold star for making it this far. Today, we're going to talk about intuition, kind of that like mama's gut, that like parental feeling of I know what's best. I know what's best for my kid. Um, and we're going to talk about how to use that to your advantage. And the reason why I think this is so important is because I have learned this kind of overarching lesson the hard way. As you probably know, I use a lot of words to describe things. <laughs> I am a talker. I am a talkative person. And sometimes I have a hard time kind of getting to the point. Sometimes I um, start talking without really kind of like knowing what the end is. And I have to talk in order to figure out what I'm trying to say. There are definitely better ways to go about talking, to go about interacting with people, especially when you're trying to prove a point. Now, I have this really weird gift that that you might also have. I think a lot of people have this gift. Um, I get really articulate when I get mad. So this is not a problem if I am spontaneously mad. In court, um, when negotiating with another attorney in a meeting that gets heated, I'm your girl. If I'm under stress, I know exactly what I want to say and I know how I want to say it. 
that's actually another strategy. Sometimes I actually kind of make myself mad in order to write something. So I think about like a person that had a position, you know, and all of this COVID decision making. I'm going off script for a second. And all of the, the COVID decision making, right? Like masking and not masking and in-person and not in-person school and all of those things. Um, when I wanted to write something on behalf of the medically fragile community in my own district, because Jack was considered med medically fragile, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, I would just think about one particular school board member. I doubt he listens, but hi, if you are. Um, and like stuff that he had posted on Facebook or stuff that he had said in meetings. And, oh, he would make me so mad, just kind of like in retrospect, that I could write something that was pretty articulate. So that is another tip. But sometimes like we know what we want to say. We know we need to say something. We know what we want, but because we care so passionately about it, and because we're not experts on the subject, right? Like I am not, and I think, I guess you probably could call me an inclusion expert, but that's because I've read so much about inclusion. When I had a baby with Down syndrome, when I had a preschooler with Down syndrome, I was not an inclusion expert. I was a mom that had a degree in German education and a JD. I didn't, I hadn't read Paula Kluth. I hadn't gone to a million conferences. I hadn't talked to the people. I hadn't read the books. But there I was, knowing that inclusion was right, but not knowing why. And so I had to come up with all these words to, to say, this is my gut. I know if you put him in an inclusive environment, I know that he will succeed and I know it'll be better. And here are the reasons why. And this doesn't just necessarily apply to school decision-making. Um, it might apply to medical decision-making or even community decision-making, social decision-making. You know, those times that you are like, I've got to talk to this other child's parents. I've got to. Because I just know in my gut that something is going on. Or those times that you go to school and you're like, ugh. I know that my child is getting bullied or I know that my child is not being kind to other people and you have no choice but to say something but you're like how do I explain my gut my gut instinct to the teachers okay so clients come to me a lot for that and I have kind of a good strategy for that and it involves preparation but I want to tell you why I know that I'm, I'm, that my intuition is in tune. So a couple of weeks ago, I got a massage. I call those muscles, I think they're called multifidae, but like there's this like column of little tiny muscles that stabilizes your spine and it runs right along your spine. And when you have a broken back, like I do, um, stabilization is sometimes <laughs> a little tricky. So like if my back is sore, then my stomach will actually get upset because my core is working harder. It's very 
confusing. But a lot of times when other parts of my back are sore, those guys will fire up and they hurt like mad. And so I went and got a massage and I said to the lady, I think it's this, but sometimes my body is lying to me. So um, you kind of explore around. And she said, well, are you open to um, things other than just manual manipulation? Are you open to some cranial sacral or some Reiki or some acupressure? And I said, yeah, sure. So she was working back there and, and we were chatting kind of on and off. Um, and at one point she was working with one hand, um, kind of manually on my back and she just put the tiniest amount of pressure. Like it, to me, it felt like a fingernail on one little part of my hand. And all of a sudden I saw this beautiful yellow color burst. Like it would have been a pretty, um, uh, like painting in your house, like a beautiful canvas, this amazing yellow thing came over one side of my visual field. My eyes were closed and I felt like I had an angel sitting on my brain. It was the craziest feeling ever. And I said to her, I wish you could experience what I'm experiencing right now. And she said, Oh, tell me about it. So I told her about the yellow and the angel. And she was like, you are so in tune <laughs> with yourself. And I was like, so is that my kidney meridian? Because it's usually my kidney meridian. Cause I do get acupressure, acupuncture also. And a lot of times they'll tell me it's my kidney meridian, which I could go on and on, but I won't. I'm not even going to finish the witch because see, this is what happens. Um, and she was like, yes, yes, it is. And I said, so do I need to drink more water? And she's like, well, I definitely think more water would help in this situation. And so we had this long talk and it turns out that what she was experiencing as a practitioner somehow is a very, very lay, ordinary human with no training and what she was doing, I was somehow in tune to it, right? And she said, well, you should write a book. And I was like, about what? About like <laughs> how I'm just somehow in tune with like the other world or something. I don't know. That would be a funny book. But it did kind of get me thinking about your intuition and kind of just trusting your gut and, and being extremely present in your life in order to make decisions for not only yourself, which I was doing in that moment for my own health, but also for your children. And so here's what I have to tell you about being present and, and trusting your gut in your advocacy for your child. So if I were to go in, let's say that I had this like out of body experience and I went into school and I said, oh, well, I saw a yellow blob and an angel sat on my head. And so this is what I know is right for Jack. <laughs> That's why I told you that story. <laughs> because like, what? You saw a yellow blob and an angel sat on your head? I mean, that is super weird. We're not going to listen to you anymore. And like, you know, sociology plays into advocacy, right? So I'm going to say something that you're going to think is judgmental, but it isn't because sociology plays into advocacy. The way that we are perceived and um, human nature plays into all of this because it's all relationally based. So let's face it, I don't look like somebody that would talk about feeling angels in their head. <laughs> 
<laughs> somebody that wears as many navy blue stripes as I do and doesn't have beads hanging from my doorway. You know, I don't necessarily look like um, some kind of hippie voodoo, um, wacky far out, read my tea leaves kind of person. However, I felt an angel sitting on my head and I saw the yellow, beautiful, it wasn't a blob. It was a beautiful yellow something. So people would then look at me like, eh, I don't understand, right? So what we have to do is we have to take the intuition. We have to take what our knowing is. We have to take the idea, no matter how preposterous it sounds. And we have to figure out how to communicate it in a way that makes sense. And here's the secret. The secret to that is in preparation. So what we have to do is we have to prepare for that discussion. Now, the best way that I have ever figured out how to prepare for that discussion is to outline it, to actually outline the discussion. Um, and the reason why is because let's say that you want um, a particular behavior strategy, right? So I want um, for, for you to go get trained in this particular behavior strategy, you know, maybe it's as simple as they don't know visuals. And so I went for you to take a $99 continuing education course to teach you how to use visuals. Well, that seems very easy to do. It seems like easy advocacy, but so many times what parents are met with is this obstinance, right? Like, no, we aren't going to do that. We know that what we're doing is right. And we know that, um, it's working. Well, yes, but like, how can we say, I know it's going to work because, and so when you outline what you need to outline is this is what I want. This is why I want it. And here's how I know it's right. And the here's how I know it's right is where you can go off track. And that's where you kind of want to start giving anecdotes, right? Like, um, Oh, on, on Valentine's day, this happened. And then like my neighbor's sister's brother's kid had this happen. And you want to like start just telling a bunch of stories. And if you go into school and you give your anecdotes without any, um, order, without any background, without any objective outlined information, you just start telling stories and you use a bunch of words and you never circle back to, and here's my point. And so that's why I think it is super important to go into those meetings with bullet points. It is super important to go in and say, this is what I want. And you might have four, this is what I want in the meeting. So this is what I want. One, two, three, four. Now underneath one, you're going to say, this is why I want it. And this is how I know I'm right. And this is how I know I'm right is probably going to have some stories behind it. Okay. So this is what I want. I want more visuals. This is why I want it. Because, you know, there is a, um, I don't know, maybe there's a, uh, some research that says that adding visuals will help a child with your child's profile. 
and um, maybe you have tried to use visuals in the past and so you can bring in some evidence that you use at home, you know, like some pictures of visuals that you will use at home or um, a, a couple of videos to show what happened when you used a weight mat and when you did not use a weight mat. Um, and then you say, this is how I know I'm right. And that's when you want to tell the story about what happened when you used visuals at Thanksgiving. Okay, so then number two is I want a, a paraeducator. I want an aid for my child. And so then you say, this is why I want it, and this is how I know I'm right. And you go through your wants, but you have it outlined so that you don't just have to use your intuition. Now, these things, you know, kind of trusting your gut doesn't usually come up on something as, as basic as... Um, just inclusion or behavior strategies or wanting a para. It's usually when you're like, I think my kid's being bullied or I think my kid is a bully himself or I think he's pulling the wool over your eyes on whatever and I think we're going to figure out blah, blah, blah or I just don't think he can read. I think he's faking it. Dyslexics are really good at faking it. So these are kind of these like conceptual, like um, fuzzy, it, like issues that are covered with fuzz. They aren't as um, objectively obvious that we're going in and we're talking about. So that's how you are able to organize yourself so that you stay on track and you can circle back to, and so therefore... Now I've told you what I want, why I want it, how I know I'm right. And so therefore I should get what I want because you've kind of sub, you've supported it with those anecdotes, but in an organized way to keep you back to organized so that you don't use all the words and just tell all the stories with no kind of order or semblance of organization to them. So when clients come into me and they want one of these kind of like gut-based advocacy things, I usually tell them the story about when my child was in sixth grade. So sixth grade is the first year of middle school in my kid's district. And I'm talking about Griffin, actually, not about Jack. So this is not a special education issue that I'm talking about. Um, it was a gen ed issue. In our middle school, it has entirely new leadership now, and I, I really have high hopes for our middle school. Um, but our middle school... Um, had like some cultural things that I just was astonished by because they were so, so different from what we had experienced in grade school, like 180 degrees different than what we had experienced in grade school. And both my husband and I went to school in my kids' district and my mom taught in our district. And so they were different than what we experienced as families growing up in our district too. And I thought they were different from the marketing plan that our district had. And they were different from um, even what, what the words were that the administration said. Um, it, like what was happening was different than what they were touting. And so I wanted to go into board administrators. I had tried at the teacher level. I had tried at the principal level, basically by asking questions about certain things. And 
I got nowhere. I mean, I really did not think that they understood why they were doing certain things. Um, or even that they were doing certain things and that, that their actions were leading to certain results. And so I thought, I need to go into the board office, but I don't need to go in to really effect change. I want to go in just to tell our experience, but to tell our experience in a way that they understand that I am here as a cheerleader for the district. Okay, so I'm just going to give you um, one example of one of the things that I talked about. So one of the things I talked about was a culture of failure. So I felt as though, um, this was several years ago, but I felt as though there was a culture of failure, at least in the sixth grade, which was my son's first year of middle school. And, and one of the examples that I had was um, in his math class in particular, the children would by and large get like 60%. The class average was oftentimes below a 70% on assessments. And then though, many, many children got straight A's in math. All four quarters, they got an A in math. And what would happen is they would all kind of bomb a test and then the teacher would say, oh, you bombed the test. And so I'm gonna give you this extra activity or extra problems or some way to bring your 60 up to an 80. And then when you averaged in the, the test work and the class work and the other components, they would end up with A's. And so I kept thinking, well, how does this mimic real life? If I lose a hearing, my client doesn't say to me, oh, that's okay. Maybe we can, you know, I can just pay you more and I'll feel better about it. Or um, I can give you another opportunity to win a trial tomorrow. There's like no, you, you win or you lose. And if you're in business and your boss says, you know, in quarter one, you got a one out of five. And in quarter two, you got a one out of five. And in quarter three, you got a one out of five. Guess what happens? You get you get fired. You lose your job. There's no extra credit in the real world. Yes, of course, we give people chances, but there's no extra credit. And so I was so confused about it. And I was also confused about the pedagogy of the math program in particular, because it was a new math program. And the math program kind of taught math by exploration. And I understand that that's the way that we teach in 2022 and also four or five years ago. And um, so I understood that that's kind of the general basis of the program. But I felt like in our particular district, what was happening was we were teaching by exploration, but we were assessing the children in a very traditional rote do a math problem way. And they weren't getting a whole lot of practice on those rote do a math problem things. You know, like when, when we took math, math was teach the concept, do 100 problems, take a quiz, teach the next concept, do 100 problems, take a quiz. And after you repeat that four or five times, take a test on everything. Well, by contrast, Griffin's math program, 
is kind of like manipulate math, unwrap it, really feel it, experience it. Like when there is, when they're doing surface area, they literally build boxes and then they take the boxes apart and they, and they flatten out the box and they make it two dimensional so that then they can manipulate the pieces and they, and they probably take the pieces and, and put them into tiles and then they get the surface area of each individual tile. Well, we just learned the formula for the surface area of a cube. <laughs> you know, and then we did a bunch of problems on the surface area of the cube. So for us to be tested traditionally was great because we just did those math problems and then we were tested the same way. But Griffin was manipulating the cube in order to find the surface area and playing around with it and doing some kind of like project around it but then was expected to perform on a do 25 problems kind of test. And I didn't understand the pedagogy, the, the educational theory behind that. And like I said, I asked the, the teacher about it. And then she at one point included the, I think on the second email, and Lee included the principal and so I said, oh, that's a great idea. Like, I've never met with a teacher and a principal um, for Griffin, but maybe I'll do this. And so we had a meeting and, and I asked that question kind of in this like overarching idea of um, the culture of failure. And um, at one point, the principal kind of shook his head and said, I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. And so eventually I thought, well, I'm going to go to... Um, the assistant superintendents and ask about this, like explain my experience. But I wasn't asking for any kind of change. I went as a cheerleader for the district and I said, I want for you all to understand that this experience that we're having is so incredibly different from the experience that we had in grade school and so incredibly different from the experience that um, we had as students in this district and different from what I think you're advertising and different from what my mom experienced as a teacher and different and different and different. And so I just want to tell my story and I want for you guys to do with my story what you want. Well, that's just like really broad thing, right? And so I went in with an outline. I went in with my points. We experienced one, two, three, four, five. And here's culture of failure. And so I used the math example as the culture of failure. Culture of failure. Underneath the culture of failure, I wrote math examinations. And then I said, you know, I feel like they're being tested in this very rote way, but they are being taught in an explorative way. And so I used one example of one lesson, and I probably did use the box. The notes from this meeting are long gone, and a lot of change has happened. <laughs> I don't know if it's due to my advocacy or not. I don't know. But I really needed to express my feeling because my mom gut was taking over, and I wanted the best for not only my son, but for our district and for the kids in our district. And so I kind of trusted my gut, I got myself organized, and I had a very, very productive meeting with some of the people in leadership in our district. So 
that is the tip for how to kind of advocate from your gut. You've got to get it organized. You've got to outline it. One last thing that I have down here at the bottom of my notes is the, the other thing that you can do is you can take your notes and kind of turn them into an agenda. And sometimes it's really helpful, especially if you're in an IEP meeting, to kind of like take the reins of the meeting yourself and to be like, well, I'm going to lead this meeting. I called this meeting and I'm going to lead this meeting. So to turn them into an agenda and to share it, you know, here are the things I want to talk about. And then you just outline your wants. I want, I want, I want, I want. So math examinations, culture of failure, whatever you want to add to your list. And then if you think that that list of things is going to make the meeting um, adversarial off the start, off the bat, then you might even like just put the, the, the next bullet point below that so that people kind of understand, oh, culture of failure. I'm not saying like that, that we're failing here. Well, actually we are, if we're getting 60% on tests. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to, explain that a little bit more before you guys jump to conclusions before I've even said a word. So you might give a little bit more information on your agenda, but I think sharing it as an agenda item or as an agenda in general can really be helpful as well. Okay. So this was admittedly longer than I thought it was going to be, which is another good lesson in outlining. <laughs> I thought I had outlined well, but I don't think I had included enough and so things that are hard to describe, things that are hard to explain, like what you feel in your gut, <laughs> sometimes take more words and people aren't going to listen to you if you use a lot of words. So it's ironic that I'm trying to talk about using less words and being more organized and talking about your gut. And I ended up using more words than I expected. Have a great week. I will see you next week. Same time, same place, maybe from my car.